0: Hello, and welcome to Black Marriage Therapy, BMT for short. Here we become students of marriage in order to create healthy, long lasting relationships. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. And in today's episode, we discuss five lessons from a marriage and family therapist. lot of us in the Black community can be taboo. Oftentimes, speaking to a stranger about our problems and our relationships can be an intimidating journey filled with uncertainty, vulnerability, and self-discovery. But today, we're here to help peel back some of the layers on the idea of therapy for your relationship and peek into what it's really all about. We also will be giving advice on five things that are essential for a healthy marriage from an expert with several years of experience counseling couples. Our guest today is Deborah Richelieu, a licensed marriage and family therapist with a passion for guiding individuals, couples, and families toward brighter, more harmonious futures. So, if you've ever wondered about the transformative power of therapy, if you've hesitated to take that first step, or if you're just curious about the lessons a licensed marriage and family therapist has to offer, you're in the right place. Let's get into it. If you have been enjoying the content, please follow us on Instagram at Black Marriage Therapy, rate us on your podcast platform, and share your favorite episode with a friend. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Black Marriage Therapy. I am so excited to be joining you all today. We are joined by a very special guest, Miss Deborah Richelieu, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. You guys know that on this podcast, we are advocates for therapy. We know that your marriage is only as healthy as you are, right? So we are so excited to have a therapist on our show to share with us all of her wisdom so i'm going to give her an opportunity first and foremost as we're starting the episode to introduce herself and tell us more about what she does
1: Sure. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be here. So, thank you so much, Kristleen, for having me. I'm so excited. My name is Deborah Richelieu. I am from the beautiful sunshine state of Florida, and I am licensed. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist here in Florida. I am bilingual due to my Haitian heritage. I see it. So, yes, I I speak Creole, Haitian Creole, and English. Um, with my clients, and sometimes Kringlish, a little mixture of Creole and English. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I graduated from my master's program, master's of science program back in 2020. So I have been practicing as a licensed therapist as of this year, but I have a total of five years of practice from the time I began as an intern, And I have just a varied experience in private practice with clients. I have worked with teenagers. I've worked with postpartum moms. I've worked with couples. I really love working with couples. You know, every therapist is different. And my niche, I believe my niche area is doing couples work. I love doing premarital counseling and strengthening couples before they take such a huge commitment um, towards marriage. So that's a little bit about my
0: professional background. Okay. So you do a little bit of everything, but um, a little bit of everything. Your passion though, is for marriage and for the newlywed couples, which I think is so pivotal and so important because that foundation, cause you, you're not going to know everything in the beginning, but just no. working on that foundation can really help set a trajectory a positive trajectory for your relationship so I do want to ask you more about counseling because I think that and especially for our culture when it comes to therapy it's one of those things that could be taboo what is that you know for the person who's never experienced it so first I want to ask you what do you believe your role is as a marriage counselor you know, when it comes to.
1: That's a a really great question. And my role as a marriage counselor is to be a support to the relationship. Mm. Like you shared in our communities and black and Brown communities and is very strong in Caribbean communities is traditionally what state, what happens here stays here. Yes. Right. We don't talk about family issues. We don't talk about marriage relationship issues we don't, that doesn't leave this house. Mm -hmm. And like you said, so first of all, it makes it harder for black and brown individuals to even think about conceptualize going to get help. And then a couple that's like out of the question, (laughs) out of the question, but you know, I will say, I will say, um, and it's, I've heard of that happening a lot with couples who, when they eventually come to me, what they do like about the experience with a professional counselor is that I have no bias. I have no bias. You're coming to me fresh and I I don't know him. I don't know her. I know you both together as Mm -hmm. a unit. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I, I share with them. The relationship is my client. Your relationship is my client, not... It's not just her. It's not just him. It's the both of them. Yeah. So that is a different um, perspective and I think an advantage to the couples when they come to work with me. You know, one thing I share with couples is from the very beginning on your first session with me, I share with them, I want to help the couple to look at problems in the relationship or in their marriage differently. So what do I mean by this? Typically traditionally people come in like you said, I'm the problem, he's the problem, his mama's the problem, sure. right? But <laughs> but I I share with them this different perspective. So the the problem is the problem, not your partner. And so from the very beginning, from that first session, I want them to start looking at the problem even differently. Mm. So you're, you know, he's not the problem. Coming home late and your expectation being let down, that's the problem.
0: Mm.
1: Not feeling that I can openly express myself to you and share with you how I'm feeling about this loss I just experienced. That's the problem. Mm. So from that first session, and they're usually doing that mm, like you're doing now, <laughs> you know, from that first session, I start to kind of help the couple shift how they even look at problems, which is which is our role as as marriage and family therapists. We want to start helping that shift from day one from that first session.
0: Yeah, that. I like that. I know for myself, I did not do marriage therapy. I did individual therapy, and Mm -hmm. it was scary at first. And I can be honest (laughs) that there was some bumps in the road. I think I I would like for you to talk about that as well, because I don't want anybody to think like the first therapist that they find is going to be the right therapist. Like I didn't even understand myself that I had to shop around. I had to explore to see like who was the right fit. So I would love for you to like talk about you know, how, how couples coming in maybe can set their expectation or maybe even finding the right therapist. Like if you don't find the first one is perfect, you know, perfect. You can keep going if you, if that's the help that you're looking for. So maybe you can tell us more about that.
1: Yeah. Oh man. I don't think every therapist is created equal. Mm. Not all therapists are created equal and that's actually okay. That's okay. And I see it. I tell my friends, my family this way. Listen, if you had a bad experience with your therapist, don't throw therapy or mental health out the window. Yeah. Just like, just like let's bring it down to a very everyday you know, common experience. If you had a bad experience with, you know, a hairstylist, right? This person on her Instagram page, you know, natural guru, and it was a terrible experience. You're not just going to walk around with your hair looking any type of way, right? You're not just going to give up on, uh, healthy hair care. Yeah. You're going to shop around. Yeah, you're going to look around. Right. Same thing with the doctor. If you had a bad experience with the OBGYN, you're not just going to throw your annual. Hopefully you don't throw your annual business out the window. You shop around. You ask around friends like, hey, you know, this experience didn't work out. Do you have a recommendation? I look at therapy the same way, because what we are trained to do, we're trying to join with the client. We're trying to see is this going to be a good fit? Mm. You can often find that in the consultation call, which is very um, standard. Everyone offers a free fifteen minute consultation call. From there, it's the an art and science because you have to, you know, constantly build that rapport. Like, you know, someone has to say, "All right, okay, I trust you enough that if you're going to challenge me, if you're going to correct me in this way, that trust is already built there." But then, if you do it too soon, I don't even know you. You don't even know me. It could flip on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a challenge, yeah. but it's fun. Yeah,
0: yeah, for yeah. me. <laughs> So I want to switch gears here because we are here for you with your insight and your expertise to really offer us some good advice for couples, right? So we're going to be talking about five lessons from a marriage and family therapist, from an expert, okay? She's really going to be giving us some tips to help us make our relationship better and healthier. So what is your first lesson for those of us? for all of us, for those of us in relationships.
1: Yes. Awesome. This is what I've learned over the past five years as a professional and as an observer of my couples, which I absolutely love. So the first lesson that I've learned as a licensed marriage and family therapist is, I mentioned it before, but I'm repeating it again. The relationship is my client. I'm here to support the health of the relationship, not individual agendas. Mm-hmm. And it's important to share that on day one, because there's often a couples very often coming, there's a pursuer and a distancer in the relationship. And the pursuer is often dragging, it's very common, the distancer to couples therapy. Mm. Saying, well, you're going to change her. You're going to change him. But that's why I address that on day one. Mm. I want to change the relationship. Yeah. I'm here to change individuals. That's for individual therapy. Yeah. So that's on day one. And yeah. we set the tone from day one.
0: I like that you said, I'm not here for individual agendas. I, I think that's very, very powerful because like, like we mentioned, it's like you come in and you say, well, they're the problem or this person's the problem, but it's really about that whole relationship. Let's say
1: we both came into the relationship and we're really excited and all things are fresh, and there's no real problems in the beginning.
0: Yeah.
1: Fast forward that to a couple who now they're bringing baby home, right? Mom, mom or wife, um, is in her postpartum phase, and she is now trying to figure out who she is, balance her hormones and her emotions, trying to bond with this baby, trying to breastfeed. And that's where all her attention is
0: mm-hmm.
1: husband who is you know trying to be as supportive as possible, kind of feels like baby's getting all the attention or mm. all of our conversations have to do with this baby. All of our conversations have to do with you know breastfeeding and bonding and you know this whole postpartum experience that every couple is going to experience yeah and now. <clears throat> He's feeling like he's the pursuer. She's in a position where she's the distancer because she's like, I'm tired. You got no time to be talking to you about how your day was or date night. I'm done. Okay. The baby's down. I finally get to rest. Mm -hmm. And so now he's feeling like she's distancing herself. He's the only one pursuing him, pursuing the relationship. He brings her to couples counseling. Come fix this woman. And I'm like, (laughs) Sir. A human just came out of her. Wow. Let's talk talk about that. But you also have to remember, however long these couples have been together, they've been viewing their partner as a problem or they already have a perspective. So I'm constantly having to, hey, remember, second, third, fourth session, the problem is the problem. Mm. The problem is the problem. Mm. So it's a constant redirection of, okay, we're here to move forward, right? Mm we're here to move forward or are we here to kind of dance around the same problems over and over again?
0: Wow. With that, let's move on to lesson number two. What do you have?
1: Lesson to- number two, communication matters. Communication matters. And and I know we know this because almost every couple who comes in like 95% of couples come in saying, we need to work on our communication. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You're right. What? Here's the thing, though. <clears throat> the sub-point of that, I, I had a note here. What you say is important in a relationship, how you say it is revolutionary.
0: Mm.
1: How you say it is revolutionary. Because a lot of times, you know, women will come in to our sessions and they're like, looking at me, giving me the side out. They're like, well, I said that already. I said, well, how did you say it? This is where I become now a coach in the therapy session mm. because this can be very unfamiliar or maybe they've heard it, but I'm bringing it down to this is how we're going to utilize this. Mm. So instead of saying, when you come home at night, you so late, you're always late. I can't stand when you come in this house late, like you don't consider me. And then that same person says, I'm a good communicator. I tell them how I feel. Not once, not once in that statement did this person explain how they feel, Mm. right? They were just talking at the person, right? They're attacking them. I call it attacking language, but saying, hey, babe, you know, when you come home later than expected, I feel left out. I feel neglected. I feel worried. I haven't heard from you. You're coming home later than usual and so i i get really worried i get really upset that's different from saying you don't ever come in this house on time Mm -hmm. right
0: Mm -hmm.
1: sounds like i'm talking to my 16 year old son instead of my adult partner
0: yeah yeah
1: so really you getting really good at practicing i statements and do I mess up sometimes as a therapist myself? Absolutely. I've been married for 11 years. <laughs> Come on. You ready tell them. <laughs> I've been married for 11 years. And sometimes I trip up and I mess up. And you know what? Humbling yourself. Everybody gets uncomfortable in session when I bring this up. Because it really is humility. It's humbling. It's getting to a humble, vulnerable place and say, my bad, baby. Let me try that
0: again. Yeah. I think that, I mean, you said a lot of great things, but you mentioned humbling yourself. And I think I'm a personal testimony of this because part of this, okay. podcast, part of this podcast is really encouraging couples. Like, I truly believe, and you probably are in the same vein, that you can turn your relationship around if you you can if, you, if you decide to, if that is what you're you know hoping for and what you want to work towards, you can. And, you know, coming from the four horsemen, like, let's say, you know, she mentioned criticism, so, uh, defensiveness, things like that, a big, big, big part of that and I'm speaking for myself, was humbling, humbling myself. It really was because like I in reading John Gottman's research and the book and everything like that, I know that I struggle with defensiveness and it's a shame reflex It's all this stuff, right? It goes real deep. But one thing that really just helped me kind of walk over and transition and crossing the bridge to a healthier marriage was saying sorry, like being able to be like, I didn't do that right. I got defensive. I shut down your your, how you were feeling. You know, I was not acknowledging your emotions because I was feeling bad about myself or I was feeling whatever. But being able to like humble yourself, which doesn't mean, oh, I'm I'm bad now. It just means like you are taking stock of the truth of your of what you where you are right now, which is like the truth is like, hey, I made a mistake. And that's Mm -hmm. humbling yourself and accepting that, you know? So individuals who may be listening, who are maybe in, like you said, one of those conflict, high conflict couples, I always say this on this podcast, it's possible. I believe that it's possible if you need help, if you need therapy, you know, whatever that thing is that you need those tools, get it, work at it, do it. And I believe that you can turn your relationship around. Now I'm going to get off my soapbox and I'm going to (laughs) let... The LMFT continues.
1: That was on. good. That was good. Listen, that was good. That was so, so good. Because humility, humility can get you really far. Right? Not so far.
0: Okay. What is your lesson number three? Because I feel like we stole your one of your other lessons, right? You did, you totally did, but it's okay. It's okay.
1: No, it's good because it, it just shows you know we're aligned, we are flowing. I love it, love it, love it. I love it. Uh, I love it, and that's why I follow your page too, girl. So okay, so point number, I'm on point number three. Yes, relationships need empathy. What does it mean to be empathetic towards? my partner. And I just pulled up a few synonyms here. Considerate. Mm. Considerate. And we break down examples. What would your relationship look like if there was more considerateness in this relationship? If there was more concern? Mm. If you just had more concern for your partner,
0: Mm.
1: if you had more concern for your wife who is breastfeeding. If you had more concern for your husband who just took on a second job
0: mm-hmm.
1: or got a new promotion and it's it's taking more hours out of him. Mm-hmm. If you were considerate that your partner is grieving right now. Relationships need empathy. Yeah. They just do. They just do. In order for this thing to work out, They need empathy. I was listening to another podcast and Love McPherson, she is a relationship expert. She said a lot of times relationships start off with passion, but later on what they lack is compassion. Hmm. I was like, I sat back and I was like, oh, that's a word for me. That's a word for me because... I mean, when we first got married, if my husband's sick, I'm like, oh. Now I'm like, you gotta get over it. Like, it's not that serious. It's not that deep. I have zero, almost no compassion, and I know it's bad. I know it's so bad, and I often, I often have to humble myself and apologize yeah. because I joke and I'm like, men are so dramatic when they're <laughs> sick. <laughs> but what I'm, what I'm lacking, right? to be transparent, right? What I'm lacking in those moments is empathy.
0: Mm. Relationships need empathy. So can you tell us, you know, as an expert, what differences you see in those couples that where they lack empathy versus Mm -hmm. the couples that do have empathy? Like what do their dynamic look like? How how do they look different?
1: Relationships that have empathy are asking, hey, is there anything I can take off your plate? Is there anything you need help with this week? Mm-hmm. What's one thing I can do for you this week?
0: Mm-hmm. What do you need today? There, There's a care, like you mentioned, like there's a care. Or there's a concern. care. There's a concern. Yeah. There
1: is a, there's an open-ended question
0: yeah. that,
1: is is requiring you to think a little bit what action on my part I could help out with. Very practical, very, very practical.
0: So do you see that that leads often to a better outcome in therapy with the couples who have empathy or practicing empathy or have even, even a little bit level of care and concern for their spouse?
1: They're going to see more progress. Mm, They're going okay. to see those couples, they are often going to see more progress and it feels like we're moving forward mm-hmm. when you consider me. After I've again going back, I've communicated how I feel. Yeah. I've communicated maybe some of my triggers, right? So now I've opened up, I've I've gotten to a place of vulnerability where I share with you what upsets me, what hurts me, what what triggers me, what brings me pain, what what brings me, you know, maybe some trauma, you know. And now you use that information, you use that information to care, to care for me better mm. than you were before. Mm. I remember a long, long time ago, I had love to be that. in high school. One of my mentors said, love is love is giving someone the opportunity to hurt you, but trusting that they won't. And I was like, I was, mind you, in high school at the time. He was, he was drawing a, a illustration of like the love of Christ, right, and how Christ gives us an opportunity to to do something different, to take a, on a new path, and love Him through our actions and love Him through our decisions. And he he, he hands over a little bit of trust to us in that, and so. I think I I think about that when I'm thinking about couples using empathy in their relationship yeah
0: and when they are not using empathy, what are some things that you're seeing you know that may be slowing down the progress what what behaviors come out from that lack of empathy that like of-
1: oh bitterness mm. you don't listen. Wow you you silence me. they feel silenced. they feel. Like they're not uh, free to express themselves in this relationship. They feel like when they do express themselves and they do express their needs, their needs are ignored. Mm. And they're not important and they're better off just, you know, let me just shut up and not say nothing. Maybe that'll be better.
0: Yeah. That is so, I think you just spoke to somebody right now because like I, like that feeling of feeling like unsafe in a relationship emotionally like feeling like you can't be heard or you you can't be seen or understood like i think that's a very 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 common feeling you know that a lot of people have even in when we talk to couples sometimes like we've heard heard this before like you know like i, I can't express myself you know things mm-hmm. like that. and it's like you know, maybe what you're looking at is a lack of empathy. Maybe that's something that you and your spouse may need to to look at or even see a therapist about. If you're getting mm-hmm. some of those emotions, like why, why do I feel like I, I'm not seen, I'm not heard, like, mm-hmm. you know, or I feel silenced. I can't express myself. There's no trust. So I like that you mentioned. Right. And that's, that's also too, I will add, that's
1: why you, that lack of empathy in a relationship. Yeah. That's why you would hear about you know a couples been married 20 30 years and then they would eventually divorce you're like what like how is that possible then you live a little longer and it's very possible it's very possible because we we can come to an agreement that there is no empathy here I'm not hurt here but we have kids we have responsibilities we come have on. Come on. we have a contractual agreement yeah it's it's unsaid, right? It's, un- it's an unspoken agreement. Mm-hmm. And I'll just ride it through. And then when I come to a place where I can't take this anymore, that's when I make the move to go our separate ways. And that can be years. Years in the making. Mm-hmm. And so after living a little longer, being married for 11 years, mm-hmm. you know, now becoming a a licensed marriage therapist, I'm like, "Wow. Ah.
0: Now oh, I see. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot a of lot of sense. sense. I tell I tell our audience all the time, years mm. does not make a healthy relationship. Work, effort, love, care, compassion, all the things that we're talking about, communication, those are the things that make a long a healthy relationship, not 20 years. because Some people married 25 years, they hate each other. Okay. Hate each, each other. other. They hate each other. In separate sides sides of the house, you know, things like that. So miserable. And I, I, Lord, I I understand. Like you said, that's that's something very common we saw in our communities too. And I was like,
1: yeah, you know, people always say, well, why don't we have our grandma's marriages and our aunties' marriages? Grandma was miserable. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? She had to keep a roof over her head. Yep. She had to get those kids fed. -hmm. She maybe have to keep a certain image. Yep. So she stuck it out. Yeah.
0: Wow. Already dropping so many gems. Do you have one more lesson for us, or did I? Okay. We have one
1: more. I have. I have four and five. Kind of pull it all together. Okay. Four is healthy couples take ownership of their role in conflict.
0: Mm. Ooh. Okay.
1: They take ownership of their role in conflict. Now, and I've progressed through these points almost like progressing through sessions. A lot of couples are not going to do this on day one. Especially if we are high, we are high comp we're dealing with a high conflict couple that's very deep. This is something that is absolutely new to them. Because remember, I've always looked at the problem. One, I've always looked at my partner as a problem. And two, I've always looked at how they play such a heavy role in this conflict. Mm. But not once, almost never, have I ever thought about, well, what is my role in this conflict?
0: You about to upset some people.
1: Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how do I talk to him? How do I talk to her? Mm. What messages have I sent in my DMs, you know? You know, what jokes have I made about him or about her in front of our friends or in their absence? You know, what conversations have I had with my mama or with my cousins or my best friend about my my partner? So this is very, it's introspective work as an individual, but with a couple. Yeah. Because now again, I want to. I want to change how we even view conflict. But we got to start with, now that you've trusted me, we've worked together, you know I am for your relationship. Mm -hmm. What role have you played in this conflict? And then when when we can now start to take ownership, well, you know, I did say this, or I did make that purchase and I didn't tell her, it's some, it's some it's some decisions that my couples make, and I'm like, you did not talk to this person about that. And that is very transformative for the person in the relationship that has gone unheard for a really long time. Cause now they finally feel like, man, I know, I know I wasn't making up stuff in my head.
0: Yep. <laughs> That's crazy.
1: Yeah. And so that's very transformative. That really helps to make them, you know, feel heard and seen finally. But again, it's it's a it's a delicate balance to not make the other person feel like you in the principal's office. Mm. Um, so it's a it's a delicate balance, right? Because I don't want anyone to feel like I'm taking sides. But for the health of this relationship, yeah. this should have been a conversation. We can't make certain decisions without the other partner.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's like holding the person accountable, you know, to like you said, their part in it. And you said something that's very beautiful because I like that you said that you leave this is something typically towards the end, after you kind of built that rapport, because I've heard it said, and I I won't take credit for this as my original thought, I believe it came from Julesy. But she's, the way she explained, like, accountability, you can't have accountability without relationship, right? Because there has to be some rapport, some type of level of trust before you can say it. Because if you if there's no relationship, it's just punishment. Like, you, you know, like yes. you said, like, oh, like, hey, you know, you're not taking accountability. Like, I don't even know you, right? But I love that you're Who saying- Who is this therapy? lady on this screen telling
1: me to take <laughs> accountability?
0: exactly but it's like you're saying that in therapy when we build that trust when we build that rapport that relationship when i come to say hey i need you to be held accountable for this in your part it's coming from like oh there's care there oh like she wants to see the relationship thrive there's like you know yes, because, because there's a relationship i care yes. about your relationship and and that's how we're going to have real accountability not yes. just like oh you doing something wrong, da, 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 you know? So, and when you find the right therapist, if you're looking for therapy, you know, for your marriage, yeah. is that something that they should, you know, be seeing from the therapist, right? That relationship, that rapport, that trust. So that's, that was such a good gym. I love that. That's my own personal struggle. <laughs> <laughs> Listen,
1: and, and here's no, the I thing, know. that's, but what I always emphasize, because I really do want to see my couples win. And I'm like, listen, there is no relationship that is void of conflict. I need to, I drive that point as much as I can. There's no relationship that's void of conflict, right? But it's how you, the, the difference between the masters and the disasters is how you handle the conflict. That's the difference. Yeah. That's yeah. the difference. And now yeah. I leave them with a decision. Do you want to become a master? In this relationship? Or do you want to be a disaster? That's your decision to make.
0: Come on. That's right. So you
1: got to take ownership. You got to take ownership. And then that goes into point, my final, final point, point number five, which we kind of went into, but I just want to drive it here is take ownership of your feelings.
0: Mm.
1: Take ownership of your feelings. Mm. And I know y'all not going to want to hear this because I don't want to hear myself. Mm -hmm. But you know what? You can communicate the right thing, but in the wrong way, Mm -hmm. which will get you nowhere fast.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You made me yell at you. You made me scream and cuss at you.
0: That's not taking ownership of your feelings. Yeah. What does that look like? Can you give us an example of like, you know, what that would look like taking ownership of your feeling and and why it's so important? Why is that so important?
1: Absolutely, because, oh man, this is deep. There is so much pain that individuals bring into a relationship. Hmm. Childhood trauma, childhood wounds, previous baggage from, a relationship. It's very common now to see blended couples and families coming into into couples counseling, right? So, pain from a divorce relationship or you know a failed relationship from previous years. You know, there's so much pain that people carry. There's so much pain, and now here is this person who I'm, I've am i committed to for the rest of my life, or I've committed to for a long time, we're about to make this huge commitment. And here is one more person that's supposed to be by my side telling me I'm a failure, mm-hmm. telling me I'm the root of their pain, telling me I'm a disappointment. Mm-hmm. This is why you have to take ownership of how you feel. And this takes... This takes a lot of individual work. This takes emotional intelligence. This is not a one-time thing. This is, this is why I love when pastors, marriage coaches, therapists, when we all drive the point, work on yourself in your single season so you don't drag your trauma into somebody else's life and now make them a target. You don't never do nothing. You ain't never going to be nothing. You just like your daddy. You just like my daddy. You just, you know, you you didn't apply for that promotion. Like, you're not good enough. You dumb. You this. Like, this is not helpful. Mm. You need to work on, where's all that anger coming from? Yeah. Where's all that anger coming from? Yeah. There's a lot of emotional emotional damage, emotional dysregulation happening with you as an individual and individual in some way, somehow you have made your partner, your promise, your blessing a target. Mm. Yeah. And when couples and here's the beauty and the blessing of couples work, mm. this may take a long time now. So don't think this is going to happen in the first session.
0: Yeah.
1: You could become a you could become a partnership in in the healing process for your husband for your wife that has brought in
0: pain. Yes. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah.
1: That is like that chef's kiss. I sit back, I close my laptop, and I'm like, that is good. <laughs> you know? That and that. Though that takes time, that takes effort, that takes everything we've talked about today, and then some. Yeah. yeah. That is, I've seen that happen with probably one of the longest couples I've worked with. That was over a year's work when I saw that happen.
0: Wow. But in a year, all that work, they completely changed the trajectory of their relationship for lineages you know for their children oh yes. yes
1: yeah yes
0: yes. that is a couple that decided you know what
1: we're not gonna s- sweep all of our problems under the rug wow that's a couple that say you know what we are going to make a decision to fight for this marriage
0: mm. you give me goosebumps girl because that and-
1: yeah. I, that's a couple that that's a couple that say, you know, we're going to give our kids something different.
0: Come on. Yes.
1: Yes. I love it. And this. I always if I don't got nothing else to drive, I said, you got kids at home, right? A lot of my couples too. They're watching. Always remember, if you don't take nothing from this, if you drop out of couples therapy like some people do, because they're like, this is a lot of work. I ain't going to do all this. I ain't going to stay here for eight sessions. I ain't going to stay here for a year. Just always remember, those kids, they're watching and they're listening to everything. 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 Man. So how you communicate, how you sweep things on the rug, how you avoid, how you yell, blame. They're watching all of it. And you know what? They're also watching. When you do communicate well, when you humble yourself, when you apologize, when you take ownership of your feelings, they're watching that too.
0: that, that is That is a fact. And that was a beautiful way to wrap up all our five uh, our five lessons from a licensed marriage and family therapist. Usually at the end of the episode, we love to just encourage our audience, those members who are listening, because they want hope for their relationship, they want tools, they want help, right? So if there's any encouraging or inspirational thing that you want to share with your with our audience, please, this is your moment, this is your time.
1: Yes, you know it's very popular. I see now on the internet and the social media streets to talk about generational trauma, generational trauma. We got to talk about how did we get here? Mm-hmm. But I think what is very important to talk about now is what do we want for the next generation? Generational, what if we What if we could start talking about generational joy? Mm-hmm. What if we could start talking about generational healing? What if we pass down generational, you know, problem-solving skills and healthy communication patterns? Those things are possible to pass down to the next generation as well, Mm -hmm. right? Passing on healthy marriages, yeah. passing on legacy marriages, like, man, my grandparents, how they treated each other, how my parents treated each other, or how, how I saw my aunt and uncle, treat each other, man, that, that changed my life. That, that helped me to see that healthy relationships are possible. And I think that is a point that I will leave with everyone today. You know, if you don't take anything, you know, think about the next generation and what you want them to see. We know what we saw our grandparents and our parents go through and we we talked about that was a very open conversation with me and my husband, then fiance. Hey, let's talk about what we want to take from our parents' marriages. Let's have a real conversation about what we do not want to bring into our marriage.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that is beautiful. I think that is a perfect way. I think it's just a a, a perspective shift, right? Which is like, what do we want for the next generation? It really has you because I'm thinking about it myself. I'm like, oh, I have to think about what I'm doing right now. If I'm thinking about (laughs) the next generation and what I want my daughters to see, I have to think about what am I doing right now? What do I need to shift if I do want them to have joy? If I do want them to see us communicate well? If I do want them, you know, to to have a prosperous life? You know, think all those things. Like, what do I? (laughs) Now and it's a different way to look at it. It is. It, it is. is. It is. It, is. it. Yeah. it yeah, is. Yeah. It is. And
1: you know what? If couples walk away saying, We can do the we can do things differently. I'm successful. Yeah. I'm successful. That is that is a success for me. That's a win for me.
0: Come on. What an amazing conversation, Deborah. I just oh, this was so rich. Much. This is so good. <laughs> please, please, this is your moment to shine. Please plug where we can find you. Also, are you open to take clients? Mention that as well. <laughs> yes, oh, yes, absolutely. Thank you. Um,
1: all the plugs, all the plugs. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on my Instagram page, Richly Deb, where I share. Helpful tips for healthy marriages and couples, date night ideas. You can also follow me on the Rich Couch page where that is strictly, you know, therapy, some light memes and fun things. But I do have a YouTube channel. You can find I created my husband and I, we co-created a whole series on what we call the honeymoon phase on the Rich Couch YouTube channel, and we talked about our, we were very transparent and open about all of the ups and downs, things that we've learned in what we call the honeymoon phase. So the first early years, maybe the first three years of marriage. So you can find us there and I am taking clients. I am taking couples, counseling clients and premarital clients. You can find me, all of my links are on my link tree, which I just created at the Richly. Their page. So I am seeing clients through Therapy Terrace. It is a faith-based counseling center. It's all virtual. So I can see clients um, all throughout the state of Florida from the comfort of your home, your garage, your couch. Uh, so you can find me that way. And I would love to work with you, whether you are going into your premarital journey or you're in your first year of marriage or your first couple of years of marriage as honeymooners and it's not so sweet and it's not so great Come on. so i want you to be great if you kept if you held if you stayed on with us clearly i want you to be great and i want you to have a healthy marriage i want you to have rich conversations and a rich relationships and i want to enrich your life that's the tagline to my youtube channel <laughs> So, so yeah, I can't wait to work with you guys. So feel free to contact me and we can get started today.
0: Yes. So for everyone who's listening, everything that she mentioned is going to be in the show notes. We're not going to miss a beat. If you follow us on Instagram, I also follow her. So when we post, you know, the clips of the episode, you're going to, she's going to be tagged in it. Don't worry y'all. Okay. Y'all going to be able (laughs) to find miss deb okay not miss Deb. um (laughs) so well that is all that we have for this episode thank you all for tuning into this episode of black marriage therapy if you haven't yet follow us on instagram and facebook at black marriage therapy thanks again for listening talk to you soon bye